great to be able to just come and share God's word together. Uh, I'm going to, I've got a great story that's coming up soon, so I'm going to read the passage first. Uh, We're working through uh, the book of Ephesians, written by Paul, Uh, so we're looking at Ephesians 4.17 through to 29. Um, I'm going to read it first, and then we're going into the story, okay? So you can read it if you want on your own sort of tablets and phones and Bibles, or you can read it on the screen. So I say this and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak the truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. And let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Lord, we just thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, we just say right now, uh, bring your Holy Spirit now on each of us. Lord, we want to fashion ourselves according to you. Uh, We want to hear what Paul was saying and apply it to our lives. Lord, we want understanding today from your Holy Spirit. And we just ask God you uh, be here with us. Amen. About a week ago, um, as elders, we were uh, traveling down in a train Uh, Very early in the morning, actually, a sort of seven o'clock train in order to get down to York um, to actually see Dave Holden. Dave Holden uh, helps to oversee us as a group of churches called New Ground, uh, and we were um, meeting him there. The reason of meeting him there was that we thought about this in the autumn when we thought, well, you know what January can be like? It can be a bit snowy. Um why don't we kind of like meet halfway? You know, trains must be kind of better than planes. You know, a plane could mean that the whole thing is kind of cancelled. But, I mean, we must be able to get down there on a train. So we decided, in our wisdom, to, um, to meet halfway. Okay, so, so Dave came up from London, uh, and uh, 
we were sort of going to meet him around sort of 10-ish, I guess, and everything was looking good, and we were all, you know, Luke, Dan, and I were there on the platform. We got the train, the train set off. It looked good. We all had our, you know, costas and stuff with us, and, you know, we were really our bacon butties or whatever it was. You know, we were ready to go. We were kind of prepared. Everything was good. Um, and uh, so then the ticket inspector came round, and uh, he's, he started, obviously, clipping tickets and so on, and we had our tickets, obviously, uh, and uh, we looked up and we saw, we thought, wow, and we knew this guy, this guy had been part of our church at King's uh, for a long time, we knew he worked for Virgin Trains, um, and I'm going to call him Jeff, he was not called Jeff, but for anonymity's sake, because obviously this goes online, um, we're going to call him Jeff, okay, I'm going to hopefully keep that name going, and I don't kind of revert to their name halfway through. Okay. <laughs> so, he said, oh, how's it going? You know, and it's like, great to see you. And there he was, all dressed up in his kind of, in his gear. That, this isn't Jeff, okay, just so you know. It's just... <laughs> Uh, so, how's it going? And his, you know, his hat and the whole thing and his little, you know, ticket stuff and so on, you know, that, that whole bit. And he was, you know, I thought, yeah, it's, it can't be too difficult a job, you know, punching a few tickets, going through, everything should be fine, you know. Uh, and uh, so off he went. Well, after about half an hour, the train came to a standstill. And we were like, okay, well, you know, a few minutes delay, it's okay, we're fine, you know. Uh, it's, it's all right. Uh, and then Jeff came back to the train. He says, it's the train in front. He said, yeah, yeah, okay, right. So it's not our train. No, 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 it's the train in front. The train in front has broken down. Okay, right. So uh, ha- uh, there must be a way of getting round, surely. You know. <coughs> no, no there, isn't, there isn't a way of getting round. Okay. So, so <laughs> he then has to give the announcement to the whole train. I mean, this train is absolutely packed, okay? This is sort of like, you know, the train that goes into London. So it's, it's packed. There's hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, every seat taken pretty much. Uh, and um, <laughs> so he then announces, uh, you know, slight delay, da 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 be fine. Uh, and we're like, okay. Uh, and, then, um, and then it's kind of like, yeah, okay, half an hour goes by. Um, an hour goes by. So every, every sort of like 15 minutes, he's kind of, he's on again, and he's telling the whole train, look, I'm terribly sorry. And now, well, uh, the good news is that if you, you know, if you've been, I think it's an hour, you know, if you're delayed more than an hour, you know, you can get, you know, a certain percentage of your kind of train ticket back, and over this length of time, you can get, you know, the whole lot back. And so he was, he kept sort of bringing this thing, well, you know, the good thing is, you know, you get half, and then, you know, an hour goes by, well, the good news is, you know, that actually you can get all your money back, and, you know, and I'm sorry about the person who's kind of had this vital, um, a job interview, you know, that obviously you're not going to be able to attend it now. And, and uh, you know, and there would have been people there with interconnections, probably people flying away on holiday. You know, they're thinking, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm now, time was going. You know, it was an hour in now. It was, it was an hour and a half in. You know, time was just seeping away. He comes along to us and he says, and, and of course, he's going to come in. And to us, he's obviously giving us the bit of inside track, you know. And uh, he's saying, well, you know, the, the train manager... A, a, a train that uh, she's not really used to, who's, who's managing the front train, she tried to fix it. Um, and I, I don't know why, but she's knocked herself out. 
So it was like, oh my goodness, this is like turning into a major catastrophe. I said, what are you going to have? So the helicopters come and, you know, he said, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up another train from Newcastle because we were, you know, we weren't even out of Scotland at this point. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll bring down another train up and so we're kind of waiting for that and then, you know, we'll get the train off and kind of get it into a sort of side siding and then you guys can get by. And of course, there's, you're thinking there's all the trains, all the trains on this line are all backed up. They're all kind of like there. I think that the amazing thing was what we saw is that what seemed like a kind of simple job turned into a, you know, a major crisis for Jeff. Uh, and, um, and I was impressed. You know, I was impressed because um, I'd never seen him in that role before. We'd just known him as kind of Jeff the DJ. He'd done a bit of DJing for us, uh, I think, at my kind of 50th or something, you know, so uh, and, uh, it, it was, you know, I was just seeing him in that role and thinking, you know, this is not an easy thing, you've got, you could see him standing there having all these people who were getting quite a rate, obviously, and, you know, he was just as cute, uh, cool as a cucumber, okay, he was just, he had a lovely manner about him, I thought, I can see why Jeff is so good at this, he is just, he is in role here, and he's just, yeah, 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 no, it's fine, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, yes, we'll sort that out, and da-da-da, just keeping calm, and the whole thing, and you're thinking, you know, this has caused devastation for hundreds of people. Um, he, Jeff wasn't pretending to be a train manager, okay? It wasn't like, you know, one of us jumping up and saying, give me the intercom, you know, we'll tell them, you know, no, no, Jeff was a trainer. That's what he did. That was his job, okay? Um, he did the things that were needed pertain to the job of a train manager. There would have been a time previously that when we knew him when he wasn't a train manager, okay? And if I'd said to him then, you know what, Jeff, there's going to be a time where we're going to be on this train together, and there's going to be all these hundreds of people that are going to be getting really irate at you, and you've got to handle the whole thing on your own and deal with it, he would have, he would have gone, I, I could never do that. And yet, he was doing it there. Paul, in this passage, is reminding us as Christians that we are, we are new creatures in Christ. This new nature isn't something that we're waiting for in the future. It's not something we're hoping for. It's not something that is slowly developing in us. We have this new nature. It is who we are. Not something that we want to be. We're not wanting to be new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And this is a really important point. Otherwise, we misunderstand the whole passage. Okay. We used to have an old nature. That Paul's saying that when we were in that nature, we couldn't help but actually act out of that old nature. We couldn't act like a new natured creature. We were had an old nature and we acted out of that old nature. 
But now we have a new nature, which he describes in verse 24 as in the likeness of God. It is a godly nature. Yeah? Jeff was acting in accordance with his actual role. Not only did he have authority to speak to the whole train, but he had the responsibility to do it in a calm, responsive way, averting frustration uh, and possibly a whole riot. Paul is telling the churches to be all of what God has made them to be already, not to revert back to old behavior that was actually akin to their old nature. Jeff could have sat down next to us and gone, you know what? You know what? I'm just, I mean, you guys are just sitting there drinking, you know, your cappuccinos. You know, I I mean, I'm fed up with this job. I think I'm just going to, you know, sit here with you. I I don't think I'm going to do this. I mean, why should I talk to all these people? And we could have then turned around to him and said, well, Jeff, there's a reason for that. And that is because you are the train manager. We're not. And it is your role and your job to act out of being and to do what is pertaining to being a train manager. When we are new creatures in Christ, we need to be, Paul's saying, you need to be acting according to the nature that is actually in you. Yeah? It's really, really important. Turn to your neighbor. (laughs) Don't often do this, but I will on this occasion. And say, (laughs) you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about this in lots of different parts of the New Testament. In Colossians 3, there's almost an exact uh, similar load of words if you read that. Uh, So it really compares well, uh, Colossians 3. Um, Galatians 3 also has stuff in it. Romans 6 also has similar points in it. He is making this point, and he's making it strongly. Let's just look at Romans 6 a moment. Okay, because it really pertains to the baptism that we've just seen of GB. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, Paul says, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, but he who has died is freed from sin. GB, in going into the water, okay, was saying, my old life is done away with. Where was it done away with? Was it done away in the water? Actually, looking at Romans 6, no. It was done away with at the cross when Christ died, it says. My old self was crucified with him. Okay? It was realized, we realize that when we come to Christ and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When GB put his faith in Jesus Christ 
that new nature was realized, okay? And you then are living out of that new nature. It's important that we grasp this. In, he says in uh, Ephesians 4.22, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new self. Now, the, the difficulty as we read that is we can think, well, you know, it's a bit like I've got to kind of put my new self on. Okay, so here's my coat, putting on my putting on my new service. Anne could be saying to me in the morning, oh yeah, uh, don't forget, have you got your mobile? Yeah, I've got my mobile. Have you got your wallet? Yeah, I've got my wallet. Oh, don't forget to put on your new self. <laughs> like, as though I kind of take it off at night and put it back on again. You know, that, that would make me a bit schizophrenic, wouldn't it? Are you, <laughs> you know, am I on or am I off? Am I in or am I out of my new self? No, no. I... I am, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, I am. I'm not putting it on and off. Okay, so what, what is he talking about? Okay, he's partly referring back to that was the time, but he's also, he's saying there are things that pertain, things that actually are kind of left over or that you still are kind of hanging around that are actually part of your old nature and you need to get rid of those things. And you need to get on board with the things that are actually part of your new nature. So are there things that we should be doing each day? Are there things that we should be taking on and so on? And the answer to that is yes, renewing our minds. We're renewing our minds. We're not putting on and off our old nature, right? That has been done away with once and for all. But we are putting on... We are renewing our minds. I love this quote from John Stott. First, we have experienced a new creation, I said, a new nature. And secondly, in consequence, we have received a new mind, which is constantly being renewed. Because you did throw off, past, sense, past tense, your former self once and for all, you must now throw off all the conduct which belongs to your old life. Your new behavior must be completely consistent with the new person you have become. When Anne and I moved up to Edinburgh, okay, we sold our, our 1910, uh, quite large six-bedroomed house, okay, but it was a 1910 house, okay, and we moved up here. We moved into this brand new flat, as you can see. Don't have it any longer, but that was the flat. My kids used to come and say, "Wow, Dad, why didn't you know? Why didn't you get a flat like this when we were around?" You know. <laughs> uh, so we had this really nice kind of almost kind of New York type kind of you know, apartment with the kind of spiral staircase and the kind of beach floors and all the rest of it. Okay, what we found, and we got all our stuff brought up. What we found is all our furniture. It didn't work at all. We kind of took it in there. We went, oh, that doesn't work at all. I mean, where can we put that? I mean, it just glaringly kind of clashes with the whole flat, the whole thing. And so what we realized is that we were going to have to throw out a whole load of stuff and that we were going to have to do a lot of trips to Ikea. <laughs> um, 
And Paul is saying that we need to do the same. Much of our old thought patterns, our old ways, they don't fit with the new property. We are a new property. We're a new property in Christ. And a lot of those old thought patterns, they don't fit with their new property. Okay, they need, there's a lot of old furniture that needs to be chucked out. And some new stuff brought in that actually is consistent with actually who I am now in Christ. They're glaringly out of place. Remember what John Stott said, your new behavior must be completely consistent with the new person that you have become. So you've got to start thinking, this is the renewing of your mind, as you kind of spend time reading the Bible, spend time praying, spend time with friends, that actually you're saying, so is this behavior that I'm kind of in at the moment, is this consistent with my new nature that was won for me by the wonderful Lord Jesus at the cross? Or is it consistent with my old nature? And we're kind of making that decision. We are to kind of rifle through and chuck out any, he says, impurity, greediness, callousness that can uh, lead to being given over to sensuality and corruption. He describes as the lusts of deceit. We're to throw out falsehood and unwholesome talk in relationships. We're to throw out stealing, okay? These are the things that actually, in our old, when we were in our old nature, just led to futility and pointlessness in our very being. We were just utterly, what is the point of anything? All these things led to that point. That's, that's, the, that's the reason. He says, chuck them out. But at the same time, we're to practice the opposite, like buying the new stuff from Ikea. We, what do we do? So the new things we do is we speak the truth in love. Before we told people kind of what they wanted to hear, what would maybe like make life easier for us, at, told them we, at, at times we told them the truth without love, that just hurt them. Most of the time, we just didn't tell them the truth because we reasoned that out of love, out of love, we, it really, you know, it was best not to say these things. Paul's saying, actually, when we're connecting with people, we need to say the truth, but we need to say it in love. We need to be looking at those two things. We're asking ourselves before we say it. I want, I, want to, I want to speak truth, but I want to say it in love. And we've kind of got these two things, two like reins that are kind of holding us and helping us to make good judgments. You know, I'm not trying to be false. I don't want to just say things that are just false. I'm not just trying to say, oh, yeah, 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 you know, and I just keep it easy life. I actually... I. I want to say things that are going to help this person grow in Christ Jesus. But at the same time, I don't want to hurt this person. I want to think, is this a loving thing to say at this moment in time? And how do I say that? So that takes some skill. That takes some maturity. Speaking the truth in love. It says, he helps us with it. He says, we need to speak stuff 
that will edify our hearer. And that edify, like the word ed- edifice, it means to, to kind of build them up. We use the, have this, he uses the same word about prophecy, doesn't he? To actually prophesy in order that it will, it will build up the body of Christ. So he's saying here, speak stuff that will help build up one another. Say, say things that are actually, is this going to build up this person, my brother or sister? Is this going to build them up? Is this going to help them? Or is it going to hinder them? We need to help them improve. You know, I, I say, um, as you will know if you've been on the membership course, that actually we're here to help one another. The Holy Spirit's there to actually help us with that process. Scripture is there. But also, we, the body, the church, that are the community of God, are there to help one another to be honest with one another and to speak the truth to one another so that we can help us to grow and to renew our minds and that actually our, our behavior and our actions and what we say can be consistent with our new nature. That's actually what we're doing. And it's actually a responsibility of the whole body of Christ that actually we help one another to do that. That's fun, isn't it? Yeah? That's a good thing. Otherwise, we're just kind of seeing, oh, it's all just God's, God's, God's got to do that. It's all just a personal, it's a personal task. No, it's not. The wonderful thing is that actually God sets us in families. The wonderful thing is that we have a community to help one another. We're not going alone. This isn't just coming along and hearing a preach and then I just work it out myself. This is actually about it being knitted together. This is about us working it out in small groups as we have during the week on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and, and some, some of them during the day and some of them in the evening. This is, this is so that we can help one another, that we might grow and that we might develop, that actually with our new natures that we might show and demonstrate out of that new nature behavior that actually is consistent with that nature. That's what we're doing. Yeah? Finally, I want to look at what Paul has to say about anger, okay? Because he says stuff about anger in this passage, okay? Well, I'm sure like many of you here, let's have a quick hands up. Anybody seen Darkest Hour yet? Yeah, a few, okay. Not as many as I thought, okay. Uh, That's fine. Um, (laughs) means I've got to say a little bit more than I thought I was going to say. So, um, anybody not know who Churchill was? <laughs> I just want to know how far back I've got to go on this. Okay, um, so um, Darkest Hour is, is basically about Churchill. Um, really, in 1940, uh, Gary Oldman is starring in it um, and uh, could well win an Oscar for it. Um, so he really is like a kind of lone voice. Um, all his kind of compatriots are wanting to believe that maybe appeasement, just going to say, surely there must be another route than actually saying we're going to go to war with this guy. Actually, surely we can work out some kind of treaty, some kind of peace thing, uh, and actually we can work that out, uh, and we can actually have parlay uh, with Hitler, and it will actually be a lot easier for us. Nobody wants a war. 
It's costly and destructive in so many ways. Yet, and at times, it is the only course. Appeasement can just mean coming under sin, allowing evil to reign and causing countless misery and destruction of millions. And Churchill was the only one to really care enough, and you sort of see in the film, that he, in spite of so much against him, is actually the one uh, that actually stands up and says, no, I don't think that's the route. We're not going to go down that, that route. We actually are going to take our stand. And he's perceptive enough to see that through the Nazi rhetoric uh, and to stand up for what is right, even though he knew it was going to be really costly. Now, earlier on in this passage of chapter 4, Paul has already said, make every effort to keep the unity. And we want to keep, we want to make every effort to keep the unity. But this doesn't mean to say that we bury our heads when it comes to evil. Interestingly, anger in the Bible is not seen as a sin per se. Okay. God, after all, describes himself many, many times as being angry at something. God cannot sin. So there must be a way, there must be a, an anger that is totally righteous. Normally he is getting annoyed at his people for turning away and going towards other gods and other idols. So too, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus... Um, was angry at the money changers and he was angry at the stubborn hearts of men and women who refused to believe. Here, Paul is saying, be angry. Be angry. Or Eric can say, in your anger. But in your anger, do not sin. So there's a road that can be, anger can go and it can be a godly thing and a good thing and it can be a road that can be a bad thing. So there's a, what I'm saying going back to the nature point is that you could be actually consistent with your new nature and be angry and there's also ways that you could be consistent with your old, old self and be angry. So there's, a, there's, there's, there's two parts of this. So there's, a, there's, an angry, there's an anger that leads to sin, and there's an anger that is actually a godly thing. John Stott again. In the face of blatant evil, we should be indignant, not tolerant, angry, not apathetic. If God hates sin, his people should hate it too. If evil arouses his anger, it should arouse ours too. There is a time to take a stand and express clearly, without losing your temper, why you consider this to be morally wrong and unacceptable. There has to be that. I think it's fascinating that in a a letter that is devoted to God's new society, God's new, this is like a whole, his new society of love, this, the church of God, uh, he's kind of talking, this is what it actually looks like, this society. His bride, this one new man in Christ, different tribes and races, but one new man in Christ. And this particular paragraph on how to have harmonious relationships, how to speak the truth in love rather than in falsehood, edifying rather than cursing, 
and he speaks about being angry. He's warning us not to nurse our anger, not to hold grudges, not to let it kind of fester and smolder. And he says three things, okay? And the first of those is that when we are trying to stand up and be clear about this is unacceptable, we need, can we just see those three points? Uh, We need to be free from spite and revenge, okay, or injured pride. So often we're just, we're we're kind of letting it kind of go because we're, we're hurt ourselves and we're just firing from the hip. That's, that, that's going to lead us into sin. What Paul is saying is, actually, you need to have, make sure that when you are angry, that you're not going down that route. It's not coming out of that thing. Okay. Secondly, we need to keep short, short accounts. So he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning, Actually, sort these things out quickly. It's not necessary that we take it absolutely literally and say, well, gosh, I've got to, you know, what time is it? And what time does the sun go down today? It's it's about saying, don't just say, oh, well, I'll sort that out in a few months' time. You're actually saying, I need to sort this out as ASAP, okay, as soon as possible. I need to get on with this thing. This relationship, this, this issue that has actually gone on, that actually somebody is upset with me or I'm actually kind of really knocked to that thing. I need to sort it out quickly. That's what he's saying. Sort it out quickly. If you don't sort it out quickly, you actually allow the devil a foothold into you. That's the point. Okay? And he says that. Okay, we, so we need to sort out quickly. Um, I think I just want to say, just particularly in terms of married couples, don't go to bed angry. Sort it out. Have it out. Don't, don't be... I, I say it when we're meeting in terms of pre-marriage stuff, I'm saying to people, look, there's a time when actually you are going to conflict and... Don't think, oh my goodness, the last thing I can do is actually express any anger. No, you, need to, you do need to express some anger, but you need to say it clearly without saying a lot of extra stuff that frankly belongs to our old nature. You need to speak about it in a clear way and try and help your husband or wife to actually be clear, this is, I, I, this is what you promised that you were going to do. This has actually not happened, and I'm quite annoyed about that. And you need to be able to say it in a way which is helpful to help that other person to change. Because you're helping them, you're helping it to work. If you just leave it, it's going to fester, it's going to get worse, it's going to get really difficult to sort out. And you also are, this third point, you are letting the devil have an opportunity to get his hold on you. The devil wants to destroy all marriages. Let's be clear about that. Right? He wants to destroy you. Yeah, And he's looking for a way that he can do that. And I got this kind of, I want to give you this picture. There's a way of actually having a nice bath and thinking, this is a lovely bath. 
and I've got the taps on, and it's nice hot water's coming in, and it's just to imagine the steam's coming up, okay? And there's a time when you've left it, and it's now overspilling, it's going down into the... I can see some faces here with people that's happened. You know, uh, <laughs> it's going down into the flat below. It's affecting, you know, the whole ceiling. You know, we, we, we've got a major problem here. We've got the ceilings falling through. There's electrical things that are starting to spark. There's all sorts of things that start to happen as a result of actually allowing it to overspill. So one thing is a, is a delight. The other is kind of an overspill and... That is really dangerous. So don't give the devil a foothold, okay? Manage it well. The good news, my final point, is that we have the Holy Spirit. God hasn't left us to try and walk this path alone. We have scripture, we have the clear guidance of his spirit living in us that enables us to say no to ungodliness, that stops us and helps check us so that when we feel like our bath's starting to overflow, we go, stop that, I'm going to turn that tap off now. And we actually can. We've got the living God living in us, his Holy Spirit living in us that enables us to be able to say, no, I don't need to do that. I don't just, you know, my old nature, yeah, it just overflowed. Now I actually got control. I can say, no, I don't need to do that. I can actually say no to that behavior. That's old nature. This is now new nature. And we can help one another grow in Christ. Let's stand up and I'm just going to, Pray for us.